This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast and episode number three. I am your host, Jeff Sharon. Thank you so much for uh, downloading and listening to the podcast. We're continuing our fall sport previews today with a look at UCF Volleyball, and we'll have head volleyball coach Todd Dagenet on in just a little bit. A couple things before we get going here. Uh, just wanted to remind you, make sure you continue to follow us uh, on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret. Sign up for our email newsletter at blackandgoldbanneret.com and also follow us on Facebook at Black and Gold Banneret. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Sharon and Eric Lopez on Twitter at Eric Lopez Elo. Eric again has the night off. I'm giving him since we're talking to Coach Dajna. He'll be back on a little bit later as we talk a little bit more about this ridiculous Big 12 story that's happening. Anyway, make sure you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already on either iTunes or Google Play. Uh, still working out some kinks on Stitcher, but we're going to get that up there as soon as possible. All right, let's talk a little UCF volleyball. Remember last week we talked with Tiffany roberts Hadak, the head coach of UCF women's soccer. And this week we're going to talk with head coach Todd Dagenet, whose team comes off uh, uh, a bit of an up-and-down year last year, finished 15-17, and 9-11 in the American. They finished in seventh place. This is the year after winning the conference outright. SMU was the uh, champs of the American last year. Remember in 2014, the Knights went 25-8 and 18-2 and and in the league. But the story last year was just a bunch of injuries, most notably to Kia Bright, the junior uh, who is such an instrumental player in the run UCF made to the American title in 2014. Uh, blew out her knee against UConn. She got a red shirt, though. She had 195 kills at the time that the injury happened. So she was a key part of the offense and the defense for UCF, a good two-way player. She's expected to be back. She's preseason All-American Athletic Conference this year, along with Jayla Hervey, who led the UCF Knights uh, in kills overall. Uh, last year. Uh, Coach Dagenet enters his ninth year at UCF. The Knights are, were picked fourth in the preseason poll by the coaches in the American Athletic Conference behind Cincy at number one, Temple at number two, and SMU, the defending champs, at number three. A couple other uh, people to mention that are important to UCF heading into 2016. First, um, obviously, Michelle Chapman, uh, the longtime assistant coach left uh, UCF, but she's been replaced by Jenny Marr, who's the former head coach at Bradley. Coach Dagenet has made a couple of other notable additions to his staff. Jade Hayes, who is a former uh, player, comes on as the assistant director of operations. And also uh, Isaac Raphael joins the staff as a volunteer assistant. He's another former uh, Division I uh, head coach. He was the head coach at Bethune-Cookman and also coached at uh, FIU. Uh, as far as the players are concerned, some key losses from last year. Obviously, Abby Fleener, who was second All-American, all, uh, All-AAC last year. Shelby Foyer and Dana Fought, two key defensive players. But returning for the Knights are a slew of really good players who were young players who uh, were thrust into roles that maybe in an optimal situation, Coach Dagenet would not have had them, you know, obviously do have to do so much, but they had to because of injuries. Uh, Taylor Wickey finished third in the American Athletic Conference in hit percentage and led the team in blocks. She's back in the middle. Uh, obviously, we mentioned Jayla Hervey, who was first team All-American Athletic Conference last year. Third in the conference in kills last year, 386 total, and led UCF in kills and attacks. Miranda Watkins is back uh, as the setter. She was ninth in the American in assists last year as a freshman. 
again, one of those young players who had to step in and fill some roles uh, due to some injuries and other situations with the roster. And of course, the defensive specialist, Jordan Pingle, who was back in the America, who was the fourth best player in the American in terms of digs last year, uh, fourth in the conference in that category. We mentioned Kia Bright coming back, obviously, who in 2014 was all region, all conference, honorable mention, all American was fantastic uh, last year. So what happened last year? Well, uh, UCF gave up the most blocks by opponents in the AAC last year. Much of that had to do with the, with the, uh, the loss of Kia Bright. Uh, and so they're going to have, they're, there's no doubt that they're going to see tremendous improvement on both offense and defense with her back in the fold, assuming everybody stays healthy. One other note about this team, and this is one of my favorite things. They are the, uh, they won the AVCA, uh, American Volleyball Coaches Association Team Academic Award for the sixth time in seven years. They have a team GPA of 3.318. That is among the tops, not, ju- not just in UCF, but in the country in volleyball. So, you know, we talked about uh, one of the selling points of UCF is not just athletics, but the academics of the athletics, and volleyball is certainly holding up their end of the bargain. All right, full disclosure, Todd and I go way back to when his first year was at UCF back in 2008. That was when I started at uh, the UCF video department working on UCF Sports Night, and he was my first big coach interview uh, because uh, he was a new guy coming in, starting out in his uh, first season at UCF after coming over from USC. Uh, I used to uh, host a weekly coaches show with him that was on the web uh, at UCF as well. Uh, called Holding Court with Todd Dagenet way back in the day. And uh, like I said, we've always been in touch for a long time. And volleyball was always, of all the Olympic sports at volleyball at UCF, volleyball was always my favorite because when I was a student, when I started out back in the fall of 2001, uh, and I started doing play-by-play for the on-campus radio station WNSC, uh, that was the first sport that I got the opportunity to do. And uh, I dove into it. Um, UCF volleyball at the time was dominant in the Atlantic Sun Conference under Meg Collado. Um, when the Knights moved up from the A Sun to Conference USA, things got a lot tougher. Uh, Meg unfortunately um, left, and then Todd came in, uh, and the program has been on the upswing ever since. And I've always remained close to UCF volleyball because you know, just like Elo is tight with UCF softball, I'm tight with UCF volleyball for all those reasons. And uh, I continue to be to, uh, today because I'm also the public address announcer, full disclosure, for UCF volleyball at the venue, which is the, of course, the old arena, which um, I think is the greatest volleyball venue in the country. But of course, I'm partial uh, because it's because it's volleyball only and it's ours. Uh, and it's a nice small venue, and the atmosphere is great, especially for a big match when USF or someone comes into town. It's uh, it's a great time. It's a blast in there, and I hope you get the chance to come out for some uh, volleyball matches this year at UCF because it really is a fun atmosphere, and it's a great sport, and it's a fun team to be around too. So uh, without further ado, uh, let's get on with it. Here is UCF head volleyball coach Todd Dagenet. All right, we're here with Todd Dagenet. How you doing, coach? Hey, doing well, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing great, man. So how was the summer? Summer? Wait, wait what? I don't even know what summer means. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, we go right from spring season into recruiting season, and from recruiting season into camp season, and camp season into preseason. Somewhere in there, I got a, a day here and there. So uh, it's like, uh, I don't know, it's like six days of summer or something like that. I hear you, man. I think I, I think I slept through those, to be honest with you. <laughs> I want to start by asking you about last year. 
Um, it seemed like it was one of those years where like every time you rolled the dice, it came up snake eyes sometimes. So now that you've had eight months to kind of digest it, take a look back at it. Uh, how do you look at last year now through the lens of this summer? Well, I think it's really easy for myself, who's very particular and very critical of everything that we do, to look back and, you know, say what a you know down year or bad year it was. But I think, you know, when you do take that step back and you say, all right, first of all, you graduate six seniors, you graduate 90% of your offense, and then the other part of your offense tears the ACL and is out for the year. So now you basically have six of your seven starters are brand new, and none of them have played in a college game. And you look back and you see what our record was. We're roughly a 500 team, but what our record was in five-game matches, I think we were one in five or one in six or something like that. You flip that record around, and all of a sudden we're a 21-22 win team, and everybody thinks we were really good. So it's just a matter of degrees between success and failure sometimes. And I think I look back at it and say a lot of very young, inexperienced players got some high-quality experience, and I think they're going to be ready to unleash that. Uh, The other thing is is it left a bad taste in their mouth, and I think that led to and uh, just a real commitment to each other and the weight room during the summer. Yeah. They, um, I guess it's good getting, getting, you know, having those young players get those extra reps. Now, you got a new member of the coaching staff this year. Uh, Jenny Marr comes over. Um, she, <laughs> I know that I talked to you guys before during the spring, and, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but she's almost like a second head coach on the team now, right? I mean, she's, she's, well, she's, she's a former head lucky. coach. Sure, we're lucky. Not only do we have her... But we have Isaac Raphael, who uh, is our volunteer assistant. He was Division One head coach as well. So there's three of us on staff. But, you know, talking specifically, I mean, she's a very successful high school coach, won several state championships. Um, then she went on to be a Division One head coach at Lehigh and turned that program around, went to Bradley and turned that program around. And I think she was really looking for a different kind of a challenge, um, you know, maybe at a larger school, and I think she's looking forward to learning. Sometimes when, you're, when you've only been a head coach your whole life, you, you miss that component of just being able to learn from somebody else. And what she has done for us, especially our team chemistry, um, a chemistry within the staff, um, just, you know, she keeps the office fun and light. But the one thing that really sets her out, I think, for us and is helping us out the most is the fact that you know, she's a mom. She's got two wonderful kids, um, and she's the same way around the team. She's patient. She's motherly. Um, they go to her with their problems, and she's just spot on uh, when it comes to taking care of those issues. And that's really where she has been phenomenal for us so far. So let's talk about some of the players. Uh, you got two uh, preseason all-conference uh, selections in Jayla Hervey. And uh, Kia Bright. Let me ask you about Kia. She's like you said, she's coming off of that bad knee injury that she suffered against UConn. Uh, how's the recovery looking? How's she looking heading into the 2016 season? You know, she's coming back hard. I don't know that I've ever had a player work as hard as Kia has worked uh, to get back. And, you know, is she 100%? Of course not. But it takes, you know, 16 to 18 months before somebody's 100%. You know, I, 
but she's getting there fast and she's explosive. The one thing that she does for us, and this is what I think a lot of fans didn't recognize, is that her ball control, her passing and her defense, she could be a libero. And um, that was the big thing that we lost. Not only did we lose the 40-inch jump and the explosive attack, it was all the passing and defense that we lost last year. So all that is back. She's as quick as she's ever been. She's as, as explosive as she's ever been. Continues to climb every day. And, you know, I look forward to probably sometime end of September she'll be right back up where she was before. But uh, she made a, she's making a great recovery. Our strength conditioning staff, our uh, medical staff did a great job with her. Jayla Hervey and Taylor Gallard are you two seniors this year, big hitters. What are you hoping to get out of them this year? Well, I think you said right there, senior leadership, um, you know, go-to people. They've been in the situations now where they want to take those swings in game five. And uh, so I expect consistency, that we're going to see consistency and we're going to see calmness. Uh, Jayla was just voted as one of the three captains, and I think it's because she is so darn competitive. Um that the players really look up to her, her leadership and, and her persona on the court where, where she's out there like a prize fighter. And that's something that they look to for support. And maybe if they're not feeling so good about themselves, they look at Jayla, and, and Jayla's got that swagger like a prize fighter. Tell me about defensively. You know, Jordan Pingle was a revelation last year. Um, kind of had to come in. I think, like you were saying, she had to pick up a lot of slack on the defensive end, as so, so did a bunch of other players, too. So what are you looking for from the back row this year in terms of your defense? Right, yeah. Not, not only did she have to pick up slack, I mean, even, you never really want to have a freshman libero. It's not always the best thing. They just haven't seen the college speed, and the, relentless, the relentlessness of the attack. And, you know, it was, I was okay with her being back there when she had bookends on either side of her. But when Keel went down, all of a sudden, you know, her responsibilities went through the roof. And uh, I thought she handled it really well. So now she's got that experience under her belt. Now, I really, I look between her, Kia, uh, and the other uh, back row players, I, I think we're going to be pretty solid on defense. I think uh, a much more disciplined block is going to be helpful for them to get in the right position to dig a ball. Um, but I think our service will certainly be better than last year, and that's going to give our offense a pretty good opportunity to score on the first ball. So you got two seniors on the roster. You got five juniors. This, to me, feels like 2013 right now, where you kind of have like this really good young core that's coming through the pipeline. How's this roster sure. shaking out for you, especially with the young people coming in? You know, it's funny you say that because, you know, I do. I look at it the same way. It's kind of the year before the year, you know. And it, it could be, it's one of those teams that's going to be better than last year for sure. Are they the championship team yet? Time will tell. They've got the makings for it. And so is it their year or not? I think a lot of it depends on how much we gel in the first month and a half. Um, you know, how well we do in those close matches, how many of those game fives that we win. Um, but it does feel like 2013. That was the one where we just finished a game or two short. Um, you know, but some of these players were, were there, and they know what that was like. And so hopefully uh, hopefully can propel them over the top, and maybe we can have uh, two solid years. I love always looking at the schedule and the and the particular the, well we call it the preseason schedule but the non-conference part of the schedule where you have the home tournaments coming up the first one's now in uh what one week now um we're just a week away yeah and so now you got and you got some really good schools coming uh coming to the venue this year you got Florida State coming in LSU at home what are you hoping to get out of the preseason schedule this year well I think we get a pretty wide variety of challenges 
uh, this preseason. Um, we really tried to schedule in a manner where we weren't killing ourselves, but we were playing as many 20 to 25 win teams as possible. And if I think if you look up and down the schedule of the 13 non-conference matches, you're probably looking at 11 of them that are 20 win caliber teams. So um, we're playing a lot of teams, I think, that are very similar to to ourselves, um, where we'll be a top 50 caliber with 20 to 25 wins. Um, it's going to be like you know playing a, a reflection of who you are. But those are the kinds of wins you have to have on your resume come tournament time. If, if we win our conference, obviously we get into the tournament automatically, but if we don't, we want to have the best possible resume, and I think this preseason schedule certainly sets us up for that. You know, I don't think people should sleep on what's going on in the American this year either. You know, you got uh, you guys are picked fourth this year by the uh, by the coaches behind Cincy, Temple, and SMU. Tell us about what you're looking at from the uh, from the conference. How good is the American this year in volleyball? I, I really don't know, to be honest with you. It's uh, I think there's a lot of mystery because so many teams brought in high level transfers. USF brought in the MAC Player of the Year. Uh, Temple brought in a setter from the SEC. Uh, I, I just think there's a lot of unknown right now. We're not going to know a lot about them until we see them on film. I think what's going to be the most challenging is a lot of these top teams are bringing back their entire roster from last year. And that means everybody's going to be that much better. So I could see us as a two or maybe even a three-bid league this year if everybody in preseason goes out and does what they're capable of doing. Uh, I think Cincinnati clearly is a number one. I voted them number one. I put that out there. Um, and I and I had said also if I was the vote for where I thought I would start us, I said it would be four, and that's exactly what we ended up. So I think it's a good starting point for us. Cincinnati, Temple, clearly um, the two of the top teams, um, just just in regards to who they have and who they bring back. SMU is always going to be there. They have two players coming from the Canadian uh, from the uh, collegiate national team that played this summer. I actually had a chance to coach them and get to know them. They're great kids. Um, and but they're going to be talented. Obviously, we'll be there, but if you look at the standings, Jeff, you look at spot number two through spot number nine and just draw numbers out of a hat, and that's really where you could finish. It's uh, I think there's that much parity um, in that range as there's ever been. I, it's going to come down to who can win Sunday matches on the road. Yeah, and you're going to get two cracks at everybody because that's how the schedule works out, where you play home and away each time. So uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a tough schedule in the American, that's for sure. Let me switch gears over, and you actually touched upon it. Um, let's talk a little USA volleyball because you were the you were coaching the um, collegiate national team, which is uh, which is you know in the obviously in the Team USA system uh, in the Olympics. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday, August 18th. Uh, USA women who were uh, considered by many to be one of the favorites to uh, win the gold medal, losing five to Serbia. Uh, it was a really thrilling match, I'll tell you. It was basically two swings either way, and the United States is still in it. They get to play for the bronze now. But uh, you've been a part of the USA volleyball system for quite some time. What's the state of USA volleyball right now, and, uh, and, and what can we expect going forward? I know that they're not going to be all that happy with the result from Rio, but you know these things take time, don't they? Well, I think what's you're gonna what's gonna come out of it is a disappointment. You know, I think they had aspirations of being able to play in a gold medal match. Um, I think they ran into a very hungry Serbian team um, who just made less mistakes at, at critical junctures than what USA did. And 
that's the one thing that uh, USA has done so well is they've played so dominantly in critical situations. And the one time it failed them was the one time that it cost them a match, and it just happened to be the semifinal match. So, uh, you know, really, it's uh, they're, they're one of the top three teams in the world, no doubt about it. And uh, they've still got a fairly young core of very talented players. And I think you're going to see some great things on, on both the men's and the women's side uh, for uh, quads to come because uh, it's, they're just going to continue to grow and get better, and they're going to learn from the experience. Um, the men brought the youngest team they've probably ever brought to Olympics that I can remember and uh, continue to do very well. So we're, we've got their back, and we're supporting them right now. Um, of course, Kerry uh, and April on the beach, you know, that I'm sure anybody that watched beach volleyball has to agree that that was one of the most thrilling sports to watch uh, in addition to the swimming events. The beach volleyball was unbelievable this year. And uh, obviously having a chance to work with April out at USC for several years um, and getting to know her very well is really pulling for her to pull down a gold. And I know Carrie, uh, knowing her personally and, you know, knowing how she played and uh, feeling like she let herself and April down. And, and, and that's for her to at least go out with a bronze, I think it's probably some consolation. But I have a feeling that Carrie's going to be beating herself up for a while over it because she knows she didn't play her best when it came down to it. Um, but I thought April was absolutely awesome uh, in the entire tournament. And so I'm sure April will end up with a new partner now in the next quad. I, I'm guessing that Carrie will probably retire. And uh, we might be back on the gold stand here uh, in Japan. Boy, we know each other really well when we do these interviews because that was exactly what I was going to ask you next was about April and Carrie <laughs> in the Olympics, and that was a th- that was a thrilling match, and it was um, it was heart wrenching to watch though because you know you knew that it, it like you said Carrie it looked like wh- whatever magic she had she just kind of ran out of it in that match. Let me ask you about sand volleyball and the NCAA, which is kind of a thing that's been flying around here for a little bit. What's the possibility of it uh, really expanding in NCAA play? I, you know, I don't think we've hid the fact that we would love to add sand volleyball as a sport. You know, it's, it's on the drawing board along with some other sports. I think time will tell. I think as situations become clear in the landscape of the NCAA, uh, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that if we're going to add sports in the near or far future, I mean, we're in Orlando, Florida. I mean, where else would you want to have a sand volleyball team um, besides Florida? Uh, so I think there's a lot of things in our favor, and I think it's a sport that we could be nationally competitive in instantly. Um, so, I, you know, I hope it's, it's something that's on the horizon. I hope it's something that comes down the pipeline. Uh, we're certainly poised, and we're ready to have it happen if it does. Cool. All right, time now for a speed round with Todd Dagenet. Uh We're asking him a bunch of rapid-fire questions, and you have to answer. Uh, I get I get the chance to stop the clock if I want more on something, which I did this okay. with Tiffany um, Tiffany Roberts of Act the last time. It went really well, so I'm interested to know uh, your answers to these she's questions. smarter than me, so she <laughs> probably think faster than I can. All right, here we go. Ready? Go ahead. All right, let's start the clock. Uh, athlete you love the most growing up? Michael Jordan. Athlete you sports hated the most growing up? Rowdy Roddy Piper. Really, Rowdy? Oh boy. Okay, I got to I got to tell that to Lopez because he's my uh, he's my um, he's my pro wrestling guy. <laughs> favorite <laughs> favorite coach when you were growing up? 
Um, boy, I would have to go with Chuck Daly from the Pistons. Yep, the late Chuck Daly, head coach of the Dream Team, too. And head coach of my favorite basketball team for a while, the New Jersey Nets, too. Uh, there you go. Favorite meal? Chicken parmesan. Okay. After a long day of work, you come home, you open the fridge, and pour yourself a nice glass of what? Water. I am the boring, <laughs> boring. I don't drink. So, uh, yeah, I come home and it's either water or some sort of a sports drink. Favorite musical artist or band? Metallica. Nice. Nobody would guess that from me, but that's true. I am a metalhead. Favorite actor or actress? Morgan Freeman. Also the best narrator ever. Uh, TV channel that's on all the time in the office. It's a little-known channel called Data Volley. <laughs> I'm I can't get that on DirecTV, can I? <laughs> no. Sorry, that's closed circuit just in my office. <laughs> TV channel that's on all the time at home. CNN. Favorite place to be in Orlando that isn't your house or the office? Main Street, USA. Best player you've ever coached against? I'm going to go with Cynthia Barbosa from Stanford. Best coach you've ever coached against? Ray Bouchard, the head coach at Kansas. Nice. Uh, best team you've ever seen in any sport? Misty May and Kerry Walsh. That's a good one. I, 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 we're gonna for, we're gonna forget. It, it, I hope we don't forget how good they were together. And there's nothing against April Ross either. I mean, no, it, it, uh, Misty and Carrie were just they, they were so dominant for so long, weren't they? They were. It was, I mean, there was, and people think it was a time where you know beach volleyball was easy to win. It wasn't. It was just as competitive as it was now. They were just that dominant. Most famous person you've ever had a one to one conversation with. That's a tough one. Um, boy, uh, I've been fortunate to have been around a lot of people. Um, famous person that I've ever had a conversation with. I guess for lack of a better one, I'll just go with uh, April Ross. How's that? Okay. I thought you were going to say Karch Karai. Well, that's, yeah. And I. it's funny because... My assistant and I talk about this. You know, I've known Karch for a long time, and he's not the Karch Karai to me that he is to everybody else. Right. He's just a guy, you know, and, and so I forget that he's famous sometimes. <laughs> I mean, even I, I, mean, I can remember in 1996, I'm 13 years old watching the Atlanta Olympics. I mean, I knew who Karch Karai was. I mean, he was, he was, it was beach volleyball, and here's this guy, him and Ken Steffes, and they were, they, were, they, were the, they were the new dream team to be watching. I remember how good they were back then, you know? Well, I'll tell you a quick funny story. I know we're on the clock, but I was out at the Olympic Training Center at the High Performance Coaches Clinic, and uh, Jenny and I were, were just leaving, and Karch wanted to get out of there. He was really being harassed. And I, you know, I said, hey, Karch, you just want to come with us? I said, sure. So it's myself and Karch and Jenny. And I'm just talking to Karch like, you know, he's my buddy. And I know Jenny's peeing herself in the backseat because it's Karch Karai sitting in front of her. <laughs> so, I mean, the look on her face after we dropped him off, I, I didn't even think about it, but I realized that that uh, pretty much just made her day right there. That's awesome. All right, if it w- back to the clock. If it wasn't for volleyball, you would be doing what? Uh, probably playing golf. 
<laughs> if it wasn't for volleyball, you would have played what other sport? Well, I'm guessing you're probably going to play, I would say, say, golf. golf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I, what, if, what other profession would I be in? Probably athletic training. That's my degree, and that's what I did for a few years. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, place you're going to buy your retirement home in? Either Destin, Florida, or Divide, Colorado. Mm, nice. You're on a desert island. What movie is playing repeat? Uh, playing on repeat on the only TV on the island? War Games. Nice one. Oh, God, I love the end of that movie. Favorite, uh, I know the answer to this one, favorite pro team in any sport other than your own? Green Bay Packers. I know. Okay, uh, now I'm going to give you a tougher one. You got two minutes left on the clock. You got to go 80 yards. You got no timeouts. Favre or Rodgers? Rodgers. That's what I would have gone with, too. Favorite sports moment you did not participate in? The Packers winning the Super Bowl. Which one, 31 or, uh, or 40? Was it 44? Uh, the most recent one, yep. Yeah, the Aaron Rodgers against Pittsburgh. Um, if you could change one on-court rule right now in college vo- volleyball, what would it be? I would change the rotation rules. Who cares where you start when the ball is being served? If you could change one off-court rule, what would it be? The recruiting calendar. Give us 80 days, any 80 days we want, but don't tell us when we can't go out or can go out. 80 days, we can go out and use any of them that we want. Best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Be yourself. Don't be a character of who you are. Best thing a player ever told you? Oh, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be alive. Wow, really? Wow. I'm not going to ask you who that was, but that's really a powerful one. Um, Last question. One book that you think everyone should read? Oh, gosh, there's many. Uh, The Energy Bus by John Gordon. What's it about? It's basically basically a story about a guy who's kind of at a plateau in his life. And... He's a manager of a corporation that's kind of failing a little bit, and he's not a great leader. And his car breaks down, and he has to take the bus. And, of course, he's upset about having to take the bus, but he gets on this bus, and there's this bus driver who talks about it being the energy bus. You can't come on the bus unless you provide energy. And through the week where his car is in the shop and he takes the bus every day, he learns a new lesson about becoming a better person, a better manager, a better husband, a better dad, a better everything. And in the end of it he obviously turns around the company and everybody's happy again and it's because of him hopping on the energy bus love it all right that's um that's going on my amazon list all right todd dagenay head coach of ucf volleyball season starts friday august the 26th with a noon match against stony brook as part of the holiday in orlando east ucf invitational later that night the knights play kent state the following day two in-state games and they're both matches rather and they're both huge august 27th 1 p.m. That's a Saturday against Florida State, and then 7 p.m. against Stetson. Coach Dagenet, thank you so much for joining us on the Black and Gold Bayonet Podcast, and uh, I will see you for the Stony Brook match. All right. Always a pleasure. Thanks for your support. Good to be on with you, and uh, best wishes. Thank you, Todd. Take it easy. Take care. And again, we want to thank Todd for his time and his candidness on. Uh, our podcast. This Remember, this is just our third episode, so I'm really thankful for him and Coach Zahedak and all the coaches and players uh, for all their time as well. Uh, you can follow uh, Todd on Twitter. He's at UCFVBTodd. That's UCFVBTodd. You can also follow UCF Volleyball at UCF underscore Volleyball. 
on Twitter. They also have a dedicated Facebook page as well at UCF Volleyball. Look ahead to the schedule. Like I mentioned at the very tail end of the interview with Todd, uh, the season starts this week. It starts with the first home tournament, August 26th and 27th. That's Friday and Saturday. And uh, Saturday is a big day because UCF takes on both Florida State and Stetson in the tournament. So that's a big day. They got uh, three tournaments at home this year. A couple of dates of note. September 9th, LSU comes to town. LSU, traditionally a very good volleyball squad out of the SEC. They got USF at home on September 21st to start the uh, regular season. Start the conference regular season, I should say. That'll be a big match. Uh, Knights are at Cincinnati on October the 2nd. Home for SMU on the 23rd of October. Cincinnati at home on the 27th of October. Temple at home on the 18th of November. That would be senior night, uh, senior night uh, at UCF. 11-18 against Temple. Make sure you check out UCF Volleyball and UCFKnights.com for the full schedule. And it's a great atmosphere in the uh, venue every time. And of course, I'm partial to that because full disclosure, I'm also the public address announcer for UCF Volleyball regularly in the venue. So I'm happy to be back doing that for another year. And I'm very thankful to UCF for that opportunity. And I want to provide you that full disclosure as well. So you'll hear me there if you come to UCF Volleyball match, which is great. It's uh, it's in the old arena. It's uh, It's a small venue, but it can get loud, especially when it's full. Okay, so make sure you check that out. So once again, thank you so much for listening to the Black and Gold Banner at Podcast. We're working on one more uh, fall Olympic sports interview with Brian Cunningham, the head coach of men's soccer. I'll have more on that for you uh, here in the coming days. Also, we'll have also Lopez will be back. Uh, Eric Lopez will be back as well to uh, talk a little bit more about Big 12. We'll pre- preview some football. And uh, we've also got some fun stuff coming down the pike with our friends at the Nightline Podcast with uh, football coming down the uh coming down the uh, barrel here. We're uh, really excited about that and I want to thank those guys for their support as well. Again, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, UCF underscore Banneret. Also on Facebook at Black and Gold Banneret. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Uh, also working on Stitcher, like we said. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Sharon. So for all of us here at Black and Gold Banneret, which consists of you know myself and Eric Lopez and uh, also Big thanks to to, uh, Todd Dagenet of UCF Volleyball for hanging out with us. I'm Jeff Sharon. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast.